So this is like an addendum to um, part one. And, you know, I, I'm learning as I go along. You guys have to be a little patient with me, um, you know, with how I structure these things and, you know, the length of time. You know, I'm trying not to go down rabbit holes and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of things, because I am basing it all on facts, you know, I used to put these things together and make sure that, you know, what I am discussing is, um, you know, accurate and factual, um, because I'm not going to spread misinformation out there, you know, BS information um, that shouldn't be out there, because there's already enough of that. Um, thanks to the government and the media who gobble up everything that's hand-fed to them with uh, a bunch of different things. And I felt, um, maybe I already said this, I, I felt like I was holding back last um, episode with David Evangelista and Frank Pasquale, and I'm not going to really, at right now, get into this uh, deep, deep discussion, and I'm writing some things on this as well. Um, because there's a lot of backup that I have that I want to um, use in the discussion. And um, I'm trying not to hold back with anything, but I'm also trying to be balanced and um, curtail outrage um, in regards to a lot of this stuff. Um, but, you know, with sealing documents and... You know, whatever it is, whether it's discovery material, informant, sentencing, and when I had said I don't understand it, obviously I understand what the government is doing because with, at least with what they released to the media, with their indictments, pictures and conversations, you know, by the way, that aren't proven, you know, nobody's, that's their interpretation of a recorded conversation, um, but they, it's a way to taint the jury. And that's a very dangerous thing because these guys are already at a disadvantage. And then it's okay for the government to taint the jury pool um, with these juicy tidbits of information, you know, to push their narrative. And you know, is that really fair? Because then they turn around and they seal everything up. So if you release part of the information, then release it all. I mean, if you're going to go down that path. And what's mind-boggling to me is that, you know, obviously the media is going to pick it up because it's juicy stuff and they want to sell newspapers and get subscribers and what have you, but they never question any of it. You know, what's the other side of the story? You know, and so forth. And, you know, they're not going to obviously get that side of the story. I mean, they could contact lawyers for, you know, the defendants. Um, lots of times they're not going to answer anything because, you know, they don't want to, you know, the government um, will twist words around anything that you say, you know, they'll, you know, somehow uh, twist it around to their advantage, um, which is why, you know, you need to be careful in anything, you know, that you're saying, because you don't know what the government is thinking or doing or watching. Um, but the misinformation is there. And one example, and I'm going down a rabbit hole again, is with um, Wikipedia. 
which, you know, everybody goes to Wikipedia and, you know, the Encyclopedia of the Internet. And in their articles, they will use published pieces from different newspapers or online publications. And they also use press releases to support, you know, their what they're saying in, um, you know, their article about whatever it is. And if you challenge something, I was told by the founder of Wikipedia, president of Wikipedia, whatever he is, that they don't use court documents. Now, the court documents is proof of a point that, uh, an accuracy that they made in their article. And where do you think the media gets their information? You know, two places. What the government feeds them. And court documents, if they, you know, go to those court documents. So explain to me how it is that you can use the FBI's press release or the Department of Justice's press release with information that isn't verified, only their version of the truth, and articles from newspapers, the media, as sources, which get their information from another source, like hearsay information really is what it is, um, but using actual court documents where the original information came from, the original source material, well, we can't use that. It makes no sense to me. Outrageous. Absolutely, positively, 100% outrageous, and it's another way that the government manipulates um, the media and the public um, stories in organized crime, you know, I'm focused on organized crime and, um, to manipulate you to, to, you know, push their, you know, narrative about, you know, different things. And that's outrageous to me, 100%. I don't, um, you know, you need to be aware of that and look at it from a different angle. And this is what it's all about and looking at things from, an objective standpoint. I'm not advocating for anyone at all, um, but I am advocating for um, fair and impartiality and balance, and um, it's not that way at all. You know, and people will say, well, you know, somebody at, on one of these forums said uh, what happened to someone was like... Uh, you know, when you're a little kid and you get beat by your mother or, you know, spanked by your mother and they don't spank anymore because, you know, God forbid that, you know, you do something like that. But I was spanked when I was little. And even if you didn't do anything and your mother would say, oh, well, you know, you probably did something, so this is for the thing that I don't even know about. And so they said that that's kind of, you know, what happened to uh, this defendant that, you know, well, he got spanked, even though he didn't do anything, he got spanked and, you know, for something that maybe he did that, you know, whatever, which is a stupid thing to say because, um, that's not how justice system works. You know, the justice system, you present your evidence, you know, it shouldn't be tainted evidence. Isn't there a tainted evidence thing? Um, you're tainted, your evidence and, you know, you have to, prove your case to the jury 
with that evidence, you know, not, you know, speculation on stuff. And one other thing, and I'm still going down a rabbit hole here, is that a lot of, and we'll be, I, I will be talking about this in depth, um, you know, doing different articles on these things too. Um, but a lot of the evidence that is presented at trial and everything that I'm basing this on obviously is um, Stephen Crea because that's the first case that I've delved into in depth. And so, you know, you that's where my point of reference is. But a lot of that information, and you don't learn about it, you know, if you're sitting on the jury, you don't know these things because it's not allowed in the trial part of it for the jury to hear. But a lot of it is accessible, or you read about it in the transcripts, it's done at sidebars, you know, and they don't, um, you know, like in Matthew Madonna's case, for example, there was some conversation about with between Matthew Madonna and Brian Vaughn about Michael Meldish and the government only wanted to use a portion of that conversation and not the whole conversation, you know, maybe like two sections that would support their case, but not the entire conversation to put it in context to see that what the government was trying to prove or present wasn't necessarily true because you can interpret it different ways. But they didn't want that. And of course, you know, the judge agreed with the government um, that they only wanted to use this portion and not that portion. And, you know, that happened a lot in the trial. And wouldn't it make more sense to put the whole context out there, whether it, you know, is more beneficial to the prosecution or it's more beneficial to the defense? Um, it doesn't really matter. I mean, even if they both didn't want some conversation or recording to be in there, it would be more fair, I think, to put the whole context on there and then let the person, you know, figure it out. You know, if you say it's like, you know, the elephant in the room and the blind men, you know, one touches the trunk and says the elephant is this and the other one touches its tail and says the elephant is this. And while they all might be right, per se, it's not um, the whole picture. And I think with a jury, especially when you're deciding on someone's fate, whether they're going to spend the rest of their life in prison or not, or any time in prison for that matter, I think that you should be given the whole context and this whole ridiculousness of only giving part of portion of evidence, so-called evidence, and not all of the evidence is, I think, ridiculous. And there's something, and you know, I don't want to speak incorrectly, but it's not there's something like it's not presented for truth, which I don't even get. If it's not presented for truth, then why are you presenting it at all? So, but I, I need to investigate. There's so many things to do research on to understand. So I make sure that I'm, I'm relaying the correct information. Um, and I will try to say, this is my speculation, even though I'm not going to try to speculate, I'll opinionate. Um, and then, like, what's the actual facts? Because, um, you know, the misinformation is real, and I don't want to contribute to that at all when I talk about anything, um, because these are people's lives at stake, um, whether they're currently in prison or um, facing prison. 
um, whatever it is. I don't, I don't want to contribute to the misinformation and BS that's out there right now. And one more rabbit hole I'm going to go down just for a minute is with Matthew Madonna. Um, he, there was a rumor a couple of uh, months ago that he had died in prison. And that's not true. He didn't die in prison because he was just sentenced um, the week before last. Um, but And once it was um, debunked, people still, to this day, I kid you not, um, believe that he's dead. And I had to question or put a, something on one of these Facebook groups. If he's dead, then, you know, he's got a powerful ghost to... Uh, be at a sentencing and, you know, speak intelligently like he did and, you know, ta- uh, said that Ben Franklin quote, which is actually in, was in the intro for part one. This is, I guess, part two addendum. Um, so that just shows you that the information that the government takes can, uh, it takes on a life of its own, you know, the stuff that they put out there. And, um, you know, rumors and, and all kinds of stuff. And even if, you know, it's, it taints the jury pool because then you take that information and you roll with it. And it's not just what people might read in the newspapers. There's a lot of um, private groups, neighborhood groups, where, you know, if my neighbor is just got indicted for something and maybe all the information or part information and I want to know more they're going to go to these neighborhood groups private groups and gossip about stuff and so it just spreads even more misinformation and you know maybe that's the government's intent to you know start this little seed of a rumor and so it spreads you know why people you know how that information came out about Matthew Madonna I have no idea it was in some obscure um publication, online publication, and um, it's just, you know, he did get COVID, um, but he, you know, recovered, and it just took off, and there were some other online online publications that went with it, too, and so it just started spreading, so, you know, that's how it happens, and, you know, it even with Christopher Londonio and his declining, you know, to make a statement to court. He didn't decline. And I'm going to talk about that when I get to Stephen Crea's sentencing about the importance of words um, that they do make a difference. You know, the guy didn't decline. That gives a wrong um, in connotation. Um, so you need, people need to realize that you need to question things, you know, not make assumptions and, and gossip about stuff that may or may not be true and should try to seek out the facts and I know that people don't you know because you want to don't want to take the time to do it or whatever um but so it just you need to do it so if there's somebody that's gonna you know give you the other side and give you the right information it's hopefully you know gonna be me along with opinions and spec not I'm not gonna speculate I'm really not gonna speculate about anything. But if I do, I will say that I am um, speculating about things. 
but I really went off on a, a tangent there um, when I didn't really mean to. Um, but I am going to uh, discuss David Evangelista and um, because I think that you should realize what it is that is going on with this guy. He was facing, I think, 40 years. I have to check on that um, for sure. But he was um, facing this time, and then he made this um, testimony. And we actually was the only testimony that linked Stephen Crea to the Meldish murder. And, and I, again, I'm going on this tangent, and I apologize, but I just want to read you one section of the letter that um, the government made to in support of getting this guy time served, which is basically a free ride. You know, you were facing 40 years, and now you don't have to because you helped us, you know, convict these guys that we've been targeting for all these years. So I'm going to read it to you. He committed, I'm talking about Evangelista, he committed multiple bank robberies and assisted a co-conspirator in moving a body after a heinous murder. On the other hand, Evangelista never used weapons during these robberies, nor did he physically harm anyone. As for Evangelista's history and characteristics, while not an excuse, much of his actions arise from his past addiction to heroin. Moreover, his decision to cooperate, notwithstanding the fact that he knew he would be cooperating against the Mafia, an extremely dangerous organization is a significant mitigating factor when considering, um, you know, the sentencing. So many things to dissect there. They are taking his crime. First, they don't talk about all of his crimes. You know, when he was uh, arrested after he got out of this halfway house, he actually assaulted the marshals and tried to escape. Um, but they are softening his sentencing or softening his actions, you know, by saying, well, he didn't physically harm anyone and he didn't use dangerous weapons, which is kind of outrageous because physically harm, you know, they forgot to say mentally harm. You know, if you're in a bank robbery and, you know, somebody tells you they're going to blow your brains out because you're, they want money from you, then, um, you know, that's emotionally harming, but they won't, like, say that. You know, it just so happens that the guy didn't, you know, slap somebody around because he didn't get his money because in, you know, some of the robberies that he had, he did get money, and some of them he didn't. Um, but, uh, you know, to soften it like that is not, I don't think, fair to anyone. Certainly not, you know, taxpayers are paying this stuff um and then you know to turn around and blame it on drugs it's amazing to me that that people will blame everything well you know he was addicted to heroin and you know so he had to go and rob banks so he could get money for heroin and you know if he wasn't on heroin he wouldn't have done that and blah 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 you know it's a bunch of garbage um and so you know, he decided to cooperate. So you can take some of those facts and put them into why did he decide to cooperate? Well, because he was facing years in prison and he was addicted to 
heroin. And, you know, the lawyers, his lawyer's letter says a lot of things too. And I can go on and on and on and on about it. Um, and I will, you know, in different articles, but that kind of thing is outrageous. So I can only imagine what it is that the, and I'm going to talk more in depth about, um, David Evangelista a lot more in depth because the whole thing is outrageous and a lot of this stuff you don't get all the information and I'm gonna give you all the information everything you know and my interpretation of it and you know or spec and that's speculation I keep saying speculation but I'm gonna toss some um questions out there for you to so that you can consider them considerations we'll call it considerations um and then i'm going to post the documents up because they're public documents so i'm going to put them out there um i don't know why i said that but who knows i mean i will i don't have any issues with that really um so that's just one segment of the kind of garbage that goes on um, in these cases, and you have to think about it if you were in that situation, just as a a defendant, and if you were if were presented with this, you know how would you react to that when you know that the things that this person is saying about you is a lie, the testimony is hearsay testimony, and then you find out, you know, then this guy is getting all of these things because he made up lies at the government's urging, probably, you know. And um, now he's out free as a bird, and who knows what he's going to do, you know, maybe start his own podcast or, you know, write a book and tell all of his stories that you can't really verify because who's going to go and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, other than another informant, perhaps, that will come and say, oh, yeah, I remember that. So now you have two sources that may not be reliable because nobody else um, is going to say, oh, well, you know, you're full of baloney. And I'm trying not to swear. Sometimes I swear a lot, and I don't want to swear. I'm trying not to. I really am. Um, it might be a little bit difficult to hold back sometimes. Um, so... That is that, and I know that I jumped around a lot, and I'm really trying to, you know, focus on one specific area and will not make this confusing for people because I feel like I'm being confusing. But to recap, the government taints the jury pool with misinformation that they send out in their press releases. And, um, you know, as reference to that, regarding Andrew Campos with the um, Frank Kelly murder and sending that along with their press release um, because it's headline-making. People are going to pay attention to it. And, um, and that was based on a supposed conversation by another co-defendant, which, you know, you don't have any proof of that conversation. And then um, that picture of... Andrew Campos with another co-defendant at with Frank Locasio at prison. They visited him in prison, apparently. And it was from like 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago. And also, that same evidence, which I can't guarantee, but I would bet my bottom dollar that they're going to use 
you know, if it goes to trial, that, you know, as proof of connections and whatever it is that they do, and or that the government, you know, tries to make their case, that um, that same picture they put in their 375-page opposition to Frank Locasio's um, evidentiary hearing. So how can they take this piece of evidence that they find at one guy's house and use it in another case? I don't understand that. You know, maybe there's some legal basis for it. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a, you know, regular person, journalist, who, uh, you know, has opinions and wants to set the record straight about stuff. So um, this is my addendum, and it's, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm just going to do a podcast every day, you know, and just call it, you know, in chronological order, episode one, two, three, four, you know, instead of part one, two, three, four. Um, But anyway, so that's what I wanted to say about those particular issues. And again, I'm going to go into depth, um, and I'm going to talk about Sacco and Vanzetti just portion of it as it relates to what I'm going to discuss later, um, Joe Colombo and the Italian American Civil Rights League. Um, I think there's some things that I actually want to read that his son, Anthony, did with a, um, a reporter. And um, after he wrote a book um, about his father that I thought was, you know, really interesting. And, you know, the um, thought process, I guess, is the only thing I could think of at the moment, of why the um, that Civil Rights League was formed. I mean, obviously there were reasons why, but look beyond the reasons why that was formed. And um, then I'm going to go into Joseph DiNapoli because I have a radical idea about that that I want to share, but also um, share some other uh, stuff with that because... The whole thing is outrageous. And then the whole Stephen Crea thing, which, you know, I can just go on and on and on about that and go back to David Evangelista and Frank Pasqua and those other informants and things that were said during um, that half sentencing on Thursday. A lot of inaccuracies, a lot of uh, by the government. And, you know, why is something allowed during, something's allowed during these hearings, and if it was reversed, it probably wouldn't be allowed, and, you know, these things should be, you know, talked about because the man is innocent. You know, I've said that, I will continue to say that, I'll say it again, and um, it just continues even through his sentencing process that, you know, these outrageous things are, are happening here. And they need to be, um, the information needs to be put out there so people can understand. And also, even with Joseph DiNapoli, um, because it's not all, uh, you know, the media will say, you know, oh, well, this guy, you requested compassionate release and home confinement, and link it to, you know, well, this OC guy, and then not even talk about it anymore, and the, you know, other issues that came up and the outrageousness of it and you know then maybe make a comparison we'll look at all of these other people you know who were released um but they didn't have you know the oc 
uh, designation on them, and it didn't matter. And this guy, by the way, only had an illegal gambling charge and, you know, got three years in prison. And, you know, I'm not going to detail all of that right now um, because it enrages me um, how that's playing out. And I want to, you know, focus because I'm not focusing. And I apologize once again, and I'm doing this addendum. And my colleague over at the New York Mafia, well, he's my colleague in both, uh, on both websites, but mine is really the Italian Inquisition. My focus is on that, um, you know, that I'm going off on these tangents and, 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 and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm going to talk about the same things, and you're going to tune in, and you're not going to tune in, but it's all relevant, and I can only talk about what I know, and these are the things I know, and these are the things that need to be... Um, the narrative needs to change because the narrative that's currently out there is inaccurate. And again, I'll go back to, and I know I'm going off on a tangent, um, you know, how what the government puts out there um, to taint the jury and to taint the public just, you know, is like wildfire. It just spreads and spreads and spreads. And to try to retract all of that information and try to correct it, you know, it's an uphill battle, which is why you'll see that, um, I have that graphic of the noses, the liars, and people climbing up because my interpretation of that is, you know, that's defendants who are trying to, you know, climb up the ladder of lies that, you know, they're, they're trying to seek justice and they can't do it because it's lie upon lie upon lie and, um, you know, that's all because of misinformation that's put out there and rumors and, and things like that. And I'm going to swirl around one more time with one more thing about Facebook groups. There's a lot of organized crime Facebook groups, and a lot of them spread the same information, misinformation. And they will take a news media report, and um, they did this with Stephen or Matthew Madonna's sentencing. And, um, you know, I was there, I was at Terrence Caldwell's sentencing and, you know, I listened in, you know, so I was firsthand, you know, source of information, but they were reprinting articles because everybody jumped on that, you know, besides the well-known, um, mass media, you know, New York publications, you know, there were other blogs and, uh, different things like that who jumped on that too and when I was reading these it just pissed me off okay I said it I just said it right there and um that they were spreading the same kind of garbage that was being fed um by stupid government press releases because the government's got to send out these press releases as well you know about the sentencing which is you know only beneficial to them and um, so these things get repeated and there's a lot of people who read these different blogs and are in these different groups. And so the rumors go, 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 go. So imagine if you were a defendant who didn't get to trial yet and you were just in the beginning stages of that and this kind of garbage happens to you if, you know, whether it's from just one report in a mass media newspaper or if it's a... Um, report on a blog that a lot of people read and you know the rumors just continue and who knows I mean do you really know if any of the people that are reading any of this stuff 
as part of that jury pool that will decide the fate of this individual. So they're already at a disadvantage before they are even they even go to trial. And if anybody thinks that that's fair and just, you're out of your mind. And it doesn't matter who they are and what people think they are. Everybody, every single person in this country deserves a fair and just and impartial trial. And for members of organized crime, and I'm going to say it because this is what this podcast is about, um, or injustice, you know, related to Italian Americans, because Sacco and Vanzetti is Italian, they were Italian. Um, but there's an OC connection there too. But um, I'm, that's what I'm, I'm discussing. So that's what my focus is. But they, you know, they're already tainted with that. And then the government just jumps on that. And um, you can't tell me that jurors, there are no, nobody's going to walk into that courtroom and as a juror and not have read something about that because that's, it's just not, or you're not going to tell me that somebody didn't go home and, you know, because they weren't sequestered in Stephen Crea's case, um, they weren't sequestered, you know, they could go home and, you know, just human curiosity, you know, they're going to, people are going to come across something and, you know, I'm going to tie that all into the whole Christopher Londonio escape bogus charge, um, and how, that happened too, because it all fits together. It all, everything fits together. Um, but I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I try not to go off on, um, tangents, but I was laying, you know, in bed. I didn't fall asleep. I fell asleep down here. And then I got riled up because I do get riled up, um, thinking about all of this stuff. And, um, so the point is, is that, People need to understand this misinformation, and I wish that other blogs and would um, and websites who report on this information would at least try to be balanced in their reporting and not just hook on to um, other rumors and things like that. You know, obviously, some mass media, you know, they're they're reputable sources, of course, but at least question what it is that is being reported and think about, you know, the defendants and how, you know, it could affect them in future cases or in their current case and what they're, you know, how they're having to, you know, deal with, you know, different aspects of it. And, you know, the same, like I said, goes with the Matthew Madonna is dead um, thing. And, um, you know, this whole sentencing that happened, um, the week before last with all of that. So, um, that's all I have to say. I will be back probably later. I have these articles to put together, um, for the New York mafia. And so I need to take care of that. And, um, obviously I have a life outside all of this. Um, but this is what I do. You know, I do this for living and um I'm passionate about it so you're going to hear from me again probably <clears throat> excuse me probably later today 
um, or probably later today because I want to finish up this episode to, to infinity, um, tonight or not tonight, but this weekend to, uh, you know, to move on to other issues because I'm going to talk about a lot of things over the course of however, you know, and again, maybe I'll do it every day. Um, you never know how that goes. So that's all for now. And I know I gave you some partial information and I will delve deeper into that um, later. Okay.